You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. Hey, everybody. So like Phil said, um, me and Tiffany actually had taught uh, a lesson about a month and a half ago um, in regards to uh, a lesson plan. Basically, the title of the lesson is In the World But Not of the World. How are we reaching out to the lost um, in our own lives? I just want to start out by saying my mom and dad are here. I just, I'm so grateful for them. Um, really, uh, without my mom and dad, I would not have had the foundation about knowing God and from a young age knowing about Jesus Christ and him as a Savior. So I'm just so grateful for them. Um, and they just helped me so much, you know, just growing up. The child that I was, so... So let's dive right into it. I want to talk about, first, let's go over to John 17, verses 13 to 16. Now in verse 13 it says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so I start out with that scripture because I think it's amazing what Jesus makes clear to us with these just few verses. One, he makes it clear we're not of this world. As followers of Jesus, we're going to be different. We're going to be unique. We're going to be set apart. Um, So we can't act like we're still in the world. But I think the second point, the more significant point, is that he acknowledges that we're not of the world, and yet he says specifically not to take us out of the world. He tells us we have to remain in the world, and he asks God the Father to watch over us. So I think it's significant because there's a reason why God wants us to remain here. There's a reason why, even though we're not of this world, we're still hanging around, right? And so we know why we're not of this world, and that's in John 3, verse 5. And in that verse, it says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and spirit. Having been born again, having been, being a disciple and coming out of the water, you are no longer your old self. You are literally a new creation. So you can't be part of this physical world. You have been blessed and God's spirit lives in you. Your soul is eternal. And so... Knowing that, knowing you're a new creation, knowing that you have a new life set before you, how are you going to respond? And so, keeping with the theme of the lesson, I feel like there's a few things that we can and we absolutely should respond. And it should be reflected in seeking and saving the lost. It should be reflected in our lives, in the way we go to work, in the way we treat each other, in the way we treat other families. And these three things are, you know, I'll keep it short and sweet, they're just... Three points. And the first point is, be a light, don't hide your lamp. And so that scripture that I have to follow that is Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. Now in those verses it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As followers of Christ, we are the light of the world. And you have to let it shine through. You have to let it shine in everything that you do. It has to touch all aspects of your life. And so that other people, people that may not know God, may see it and be, wow, what is going on there? What he's doing really is bringing glory to God. They have to see it in your life. There's no way you can reach people, you can be in touch with people, be able to pull people out of darkness if your light isn't shining in your own life, right? And so in the most simple terms, in the most common sense terms, people don't like hypocrites. You can't be a light to people. You can't draw people to yourself if what you're saying with your mouth isn't backed up by your actions. You have to show through your actions and what you profess and your faith in God, it has to be reflected in your life. And so for me personally, and I'm using myself just because it's the easiest thing and I, it's easy to draw on your own life experiences, one of the things before I started studying the Bible, me and Tiff had just been married, and I had kind of saw Phil Zayas. Obviously, you guys all know Phil Zayas. And so Phil Zayas is a man of unquestionable moral character, integrity, extremely honest, almost to a fault. He's Specifically when it deals with Iris, he, he's, <laughs> he is... Just absolutely gracious with her. In the, t- the the 12 years that I've known him, I don't think he's ever once raised his voice at Iris, his wife. And so as a young man, especially a young man just married, you're kind of like, that's different. Like, obviously, you have an idea of how marriage should work. Like, it should be more, more good than bad. But you kind of expect, like, there's going to be a lot of bumps and twists and turns. But just knowing Phil and seeing his life, I was like, he's doing something different, right? And he never took the credit for himself. He was always saying it was from God. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to do it by the Bible's way. And so that had a profound effect on me. That was a big reason why I started studying the Bible, why I wanted to be the husband and just a man of integrity going forward. And so I say that to to just bring it back to this idea that you have to be a light because you don't know who you're going to affect. And if you're consistent, if that light shines out of every facet of your life, you never know who's going to pick it up. You never know who it's going to affect. The way you interact with the world will have an effect, good or bad, honestly. And so you can choose to be a light or you can choose not to be a light. So as disciples, as followers of Christ, you have to wake up every day and choose to be a light. Make that choice. Let it shine through. So we have be a light. Don't hide yourself under a lamp, right? And I think part of that is in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you're being that light, you can do what you are called to remain here to do. Like I said, we are not of this world, but we're still in this world. And the reason why we remain here is because God is making his appeal through us. And in order for us to be good ambassadors, in order to spread the good message, it has to be in our lives. It has to shine through our lives. So be a light. Don't hide your lamp. Point number two, be all things to all men or women. And that scripture is in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23.
Now in that scripture it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. So, while we're here, we have to try to win as many as possible. We have to try to help people to know God. And the way you do that is that you have to meet them where they are. And when I say that is that human nature hasn't changed since Paul was around. People still want to feel connected. People want to feel empathy. People want to feel sincerity. They want to feel like you care about them and that you care about what's going on in their lives. And I say this, that we have to meet them where they are because you have to be willing to put yourself in situations that might be uncomfortable, that might make you feel like, oh, that's not my favorite thing to do. I don't know about that. Obviously, don't fall into sin trying to bring someone to the light, but you have to be willing to be flexible. It has to be a priority for you to make stuff happen to build relationships. For example, if you want to get to know someone who likes bowling and you don't like bowling, go bowling. Like, just do it. Ask them to teach you how to bowl. Ask them to teach you how to put that extra spin on the ball so you can knock down all the pins. Like, you might not love bowling, but if you want to have a friendship, if you want to get to know people, you have to put yourself out there. You can't hold back, and it has to be a priority for you. You have to be willing to be flexible. If people who didn't know Christ, who didn't know God, didn't have a relationship with God, didn't need you to meet them, didn't need you to talk with them, they would already be disciples, and there'd be no need in the first place. There'd be no need to know salvation if they already knew everything they needed to know about having a relationship with God. But they don't, so you have to meet them where they are. And so when we're doing that, Let's not forget, we all have been blessed in many ways. We all have so much talents. We all have so much things, whether it's cars or just being blessed with kids or a dog. And these things, we tend to use them to build up ourselves, to accumulate them for ourselves, to, uh, for our own selfish ambitions. But God calls us to use our talents, use the blessings he had in our life to reach out to people, to use them to bring glory to him. Now in Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, it talks about this a little bit. Now it says there, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesizing, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And now you meet people where they are and you build those relationships based on the talents God has given you. You don't have those talents to be selfish with them. You have those talents to share them, to bring glory to God. For example, Tiffany, my beautiful wife Tiffany, she's sitting over there. She is an amazingly creative and artistic woman. She dabbles in photography. And one of the things that she's really good at is that 
she likes to do pictures for people. She likes to do photography for pe people. She'll go and, and do um, photography sessions for families to get to know people, to build friendships. And this, none of this is disingenuous. You're not trying to fake relationships. You want to build relationships with people. You want to get to know people. And if it so happens that in doing that, in shining your light and using your talents and getting to know people, they happen to have an interest in knowing God, what's, what's, what's to lose in that situation? Like, use it. Use your talents. Show it in your life. Show that God's the center of your life, and people will see that. But you have to not be selfish with what the talents that you're given. Practically speaking, you could even sit down and make a list. What are my talents? What am I good at? What can I share with people? If I have a dog, maybe instead of just walking around my block, I can go to a dog park where there's other dog owners and strike up a conversation. Maybe if I love books, I can join a book club. Maybe if I have kids, if I'm lucky enough to have kids, I could find someone else who has kids and set up a play date. All these things are real, sincere, and legitimate things, but now you're focused. Now you're taking steps and active steps to say, I'm putting my efforts towards seeking and saving the lost, towards helping people know God, towards helping people have a relationship with God, instead of just doing my own thing. So, again, I'm going to use an example from my own life, from my own experience, and talking about reaching out to people and trying to meet them where they are. So, as most of you probably know, Lance Tarasino and I are very good friends. We grew up together. He lived literally like a block away from me. And we were literally best friends. Him and his younger brother, Cody, is actually my age, and Lance is a few years older. But every day after school, we would go out on the block, just mess around, play kickball. In the summers, his parents had a pool, and we would play in the pool. And just, it was a great all-around time, the kind that you see like in the movies with kids, all just a gang of young boys running around like maniacs. And so, but as we got older, you grow apart, your interests kind of change, and we were still friends, but we, went, we both went to college, we grew apart, we talked less and less, we hung out less and less, and it came a point till, you know, after college, we hadn't really spoken in a while, and we were still friends, but I just hadn't seen the guy. And then a few years ago, I was fresh out of law school, I get a call out of the blue from Lance Saracino, and he calls me and he asks me, George, I know, you, you know you're a lawyer now, do you know any good divorce lawyers? Because me and Crystal have tried everything and we're going to get a divorce. We're going to call it quits. Um, and so I had the choice. Obviously right there, you have the choice. Anyone in that situation has the choice. Do I quickly try to avoid some awkwardness and be like, oh yeah, let me look in it, I'll get back to you? Or do I just listen to the guy? Do I let him vent? Do I talk to him? Do I kind of comfort him, meet him where he was at? And so you can choose the second option. And, you know, fortunately, I, I, was, I had the courage to do that second option and talk with him. And I rekindled that friendship. I rekindled that relationship just by that simple phone call. I invited him to church. He's, him and his family started coming to church. Me and Ryan McCullough started studying the Bible with him. And, and Lance was baptized, and he became a disciple in Christ. And now he's still happily married to Crystal, who also afterwards became a disciple to Christ. And now he also... Lance is just so fired up for God. He reaches out to his neighbors. We have Zaid and Francis who are now disciples of Christ, Lance's neighbors. And Lance's own mother sitting right there holding her grandchild is a disciple of Christ. You never know, you never know the choices you make when you step outside your comfort zone and try to meet people where they are. You just don't know. You don't know what, where it will start or where it will end. Only God has that plan. So to really hold back to really not be willing to meet people where they are, who knows what would have happened with Lance's family. 
who knows what would have happened with all the people that are affected by that decision. So I think you have the choice. You can either hold back, avoid awkward situations, be uncomfortable, not put yourself out there, or you can answer a call. You can reach out to someone. You can go over to their house and have a talk with them and be there for them in a genuine way. Now, when I think of someone who is there for someone, someone who's meeting them where they are, I think of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And now, in John 4, verses 7 to 26, I'm not going to read this particular scripture because it's kind of long, but I think most of us are familiar with it. It was a Samaritan woman who goes to the well to get water. And so, look who we have here. We have a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man. And now, if you're familiar with custom and tradition at the time, that's a no-no. Samaritans and Jews do not mix. They do not even talk to each other. They pass each other without saying a word. And then also, you have this woman who Jesus says has had multiple husbands and currently is with another unmarried lover. She's deep in sin. Her life is full of sin. And you have Jesus, obviously, without a blemish of sin on him. And he takes the time to talk to her. He tells her about the gift of living water, of eternal life. He met her right where she was at. And so that's why it's so important to meet people where they are, regardless of how comfortable you are, regardless of where they are. And I think, and bear with me, guys, I think being disciples, sometimes we can get stuck on a high horse. Sometimes we can be very um, callous, with the fact that we have been lucky enough to know grace, to know salvation. We can almost be so focused on the fact that we have salvation that we put up this wall around us and we don't reach out to people anymore. And so I think we need to get back in the mindset of being grateful and understanding that we all, at one point in our lives, did not know God. Someone stepped out of their comfort zone. Someone met you where you were at to say, hey, you know, do you want to study the Bible? Do you want to get together? Do you want to hang out? Someone stepped out of their comfort zone in a hope that you could know God, and it led you here. So how can we not be willing to do the same thing? And as if you guys needed another example of someone meeting them where they were at, I like to think of Jesus. So you have God, right? And you have men. You have Jesus, and you have us. Jesus literally went from God to being a man to have a relationship with us. No matter how uncomfortable you are, no matter where people are at, people that you want to get to know, people that you want to reach out to, the amount of uncomfortable, the gap that you have to bridge to meet them where they're at is not going to be greater than God to man. So if we're really following Jesus, I don't think we have any real excuse not to step out of our comfort zone. Right? So be the light. Don't hide your lamp. Be all things to all men and women. And lastly, my third point, do more and give more. So let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. Starting in verse 23, it says, Paul saying, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have been without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. These were Paul's trials. And so this point, I think, is the simplest, but also going to be the hardest. Now, looking at these trials, I don't think anyone here, and I mean, I don't know your life, but I would say most people can't even say they did one of those things. I mean, if one of those things that happened to you and you've had a rough go at it, you probably can say you've two of those things that happened to you. And now the point is, we as Christians today, especially in the United States, we have not had to struggle because of our faith. We have not been persecuted because of our faith. Like, in modern society, especially in America, we live lives of convenience and comfort. We've never had to fight for it. We've never had to suffer for it. And so, even though we are of this world, we are not of this world. And so we have to make saving the lost a priority. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach out to people. You have to be always willing to give more and to do more. And so, again, using an example from my own life, not to build myself up, but just so you guys could have an idea that we always have a choice to make as disciples, the choice to make in bringing people to God, is that just with the most recent studies with, with Zayed and Francis, Lance and I got with Zayed and Francis, and it was great, but we're all working professionals, and we can only get together during the week and the weeknight. And so to do that... I would literally have to come straight from work to Lance's house where the study were still in my work clothes. You could ask Zaid, he's sitting right there. And I would beg Lance for dinner because I didn't have time to stop for dinner. And so the point is that you have the choice to make it a priority, to put other stuff down the list of priorities, to make reaching out to people, studying Bible with people, helping people know God a priority. And so it was funny because even one of the studies, at the end of one of the studies, we knew coming up, the week coming up was going to be so busy, we weren't going to probably be able to meet with each other, and we'd have to wait two weeks till we could have another time together in fellowship and just to study the Bible. And all three of us were kind of joking, like, that's too long, like, we should get together soon before that. I know we've been meeting after church, but let's get together, I mean, we've been meeting after work, but let's get together before work. And we're like, yeah, haha, half serious, half joking, but then we're both like, no one was backing down, everyone's like, all right, all right. And it started to gain momentum. And so we, we set up a study two days after our last study at 5.15 in the morning before work. So we didn't do a 5.15 study. We did a 6 a.m. study. And then we went to work. And so it happened. We made it happen two days after another study. We got together again at 6 in the morning to study the Bible, to learn more about God, to really go after it. And so I say that to just show you have a choice to make it a priority. You have a choice to move around your schedule. We're all busy. We all have lives and jobs and kids and houses, houses that are falling apart. I know certainly I do. Like, we all have these things in our lives that command our attention, that command our focus. But we also have one other thing, the most important thing. We all have one God. We all have a God. And I think it's significant that the very last command that God gave us in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, 
He says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm not a theologist. I don't know. I don't have some advanced theory about the way um, Jesus wrote the commandments, the way Jesus gave instruction. We should take one more serious than the other. We should take them all serious. We should be convicted about all the commands Jesus gave us. But it's significant. The very last time that Jesus speaks to his followers here on earth, the very last time, he doesn't say, go and serve the poor. Obviously, that's important. He doesn't say, don't forget the widows. Obviously, he talks about that. That's important. But the very last thing he says is, go and make disciples teaching them to obey, that's got to mean something, right? And so as disciples, as followers of Christ, we can't say, oh, I'm doing great in my prayer life. I'm doing great getting into the word. But then we haven't tried to reach out to people in a year. We haven't tried to study the Bible with people in two years, in six months. How can we say that we're followers of Christ and just pick and choose the commandments that we want to live our lives by? We have to be willing to make the sacrifice. Don't we all want to go before God at the end and have him tell us, You fought the good fight. You finished the race. You have done well, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all want, right? And so we have to be willing to follow all the commandments, and in this case, the very last commandment he gave us, in going to make disciples. And that means sacrificing, doing more, giving more, being willing to make it a priority. You never know when someone's going to be open, when someone's going to want to learn to know God more, when someone's going to want to open up a Bible and just talk about it with you. You don't know. So if they're willing, why are you not willing? Why are you the thing that's stopping them from knowing God better when you have the opportunity to do that? Right? And so we have to be the light. We can't hide our lamp. We have to be all things to all men and all women. And we have to be willing to sacrifice to do more and give more. And so in closing, I just want to think about and want us to think about James 4.14. And now in James 4:14 it says, "Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes." As followers of Christ, we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We are not in this world, and yet we literally do not know when we'll be taken up to God. We do not know when it is our time and we'll be called to give account. So what are we waiting for? We don't know the time we have. We have to take actions every single day. We have to take actions today. We have to be willing to stand up and shine our light. We have to be willing to meet people where they are. We have to be willing to sacrifice more and give more and try to bring people to know God and seek and save the lost. So that's my call to you as disciples. And if you're here, if you're visiting, if you want to get to know God more, We're all here for a little time when we vanish like a passing mist. Tap someone on the shoulder. Tap someone uh, who's sitting next to you. Be like, hey, you know, you want to get together today. You want to study the Bible. You want to get to know God. You have that opportunity too. We all have to be people of actions. Whether we know God and want to know God more or whether we just come into God, we have to be people of action. That's it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website at hvregion.com.